We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for everybody here at Blue Wire. And joining me tonight is my co-host, editor-in-chief, quarterback at NinersNation.com. It's a juggernaut, by the way. I said that one time. I'm going to keep saying it. Um, Kyle Posey, KP, what's up, bro? The juggernaut. I love it. What's going on, man? How you doing? I am such a huge X-Men geek, bro. Like, any chance that I get to, like, squeeze in a word like Juggernaut, Colossus, or something like that, like, I'll just do it because I'm a huge geek. I love yeah. the Beast, so maybe call it, call it, can we be named Ooh, the Beast? We can, you, dude, the Beast is perfect, bro. I love the Beast, too. I love the Beast, man. Speaking of nerds. Yeah, dude, of course, man. I, I love the Beast, but I'm so excited to see what the old uh, Disney slash Marvel thing uh, is going to do with the X-Men because it's going to be sweet. It's going to be sweet. Anyways, that'll that'll take us off of the wrong path <laughs> real quick. <laughs> I was I was going to ask you, so it's not X-Men, but it is Marvel. Did you watch the first episode of Loki? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. I've heard great things, and I know I'm, I sh- there's two now, right? There's two that I haven't seen. Oh, it seen. did just come out, yep. Watch yeah. it. Watch it. That's what I will say. Okay. All right. I will. I'll check it out. And I, I remember watching the preview for it, and I was like seriously surprised. Like, holy shit, this is going to be awesome. And Owen Wilson's in it. Like, what the hell? Yeah, so, he's really good in it too. Yeah, and I love Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, anyways, hey, one thing I want to bring up, just because we're all about transparency here, Dragon Gold. Um, I heard we heard from a couple of you that heard the little feedback that was coming from KP's mic. Um. We're trying to work through the problem. We think it's the fact that uh, his computer's fan will turn on while we're recording. And so we've hopefully fixed that. If we haven't, just feel free to let us know again. We'll work through it. Well, I just wanted you guys to let you know that we're aware and we're kind of trying to troubleshoot it right now. So Thank you for uh, pointing that out, by the way, because I, it's tough for us to hear those things. So if there's any audio issues at all, please let us know. We will take care of it. It's 
definitely on my end. We're working <laughs> through it on my 1985 computer. Right. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's definitely not something that we're like ignorant about. The thing that, that tripped me was, and, and it makes sense that you said it had to do with your computer's fan kicking on because I couldn't hear it in the beginning of the episodes and I would jump on there and listen and be like, no, nah, man, sounds great. And then I, I wasn't until I jumped towards like the, the back half of the episode that I would hear it. So it, it had me fooled, but I appreciate you guys for jumping up on Twitter and, and letting us know because we certainly wouldn't want it to like just go unaddressed. So anyway, speaking of, of unaddressed, yeah. uh, we're just going to... Uh, we're going to talk about Kyle Shanahan's uh, appearance on Tim Kawakami of The Athletic, uh, his podcast. And uh, we're just going to talk about that today because obviously uh, it's a rare occasion where the 49ers didn't necessarily give us anything major to talk about. But, I mean, they gave us that, I guess. Kyle Shanahan gave us that. It was very interesting. It wasn't like a throwaway. It wasn't uh, things that you we've heard a million times type of deal. Uh, it was actually pretty informative. Kyle Shanahan was super open, which is one of his best qualities. He was he was really open about it, the entire process from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance to Mac Jones to uh, and everything in between. It was pretty cool. But uh, I mean, the first big thing that they kind of talked about was the dynamic of of, of minicamp and how this year. Uh, it's better than last year, but not as good as as normal. And and this to me kind of was surprising for a very small reason. Was he said normally, you know, prior to COVID, they would be with the players for five weeks before OTAs started. You know, and they'd have a, you know a couple weeks where it's just weight training and meetings, and then they'd have a few weeks where they'd be out on the field doing walkthroughs, quote unquote, with big giant two quote fingers on either side, um, because. It wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers were just doing unpadded practices. And they used to get to do all this, and then they would get to their nine OTAs. Well, this time, all they had was one week before OTAs, and then they take that 40-day break before training camp. So, that I mean, that right there, obviously last year they didn't get any of it. and But it still, it still shows you how much less these guys have to work with. And... Kyle Shanahan said that he it was just a fact of, you know, there's a lot of guys that were completely ready for OTAs and there's a lot of guys that weren't. And that's just the way it is. And the fact that they didn't get those five weeks beforehand means that that's just the, what they have to face. Guys just aren't going to be ready, whether it's because they're rookies and they don't know what's going on or they're out of shape or whatever, whatever have you. So I thought that it was interesting. But the first thing you're going to probably want to talk about was – Kind of Trey Lance at a first glance. And Kyle Shanahan really just kind of molded that into what he liked about Trey Lance. And his biggest thing was he was a natural in the pocket with the ability to move. That was Kyle Shanahan's biggest thing. And one thing I realized... KP, that I haven't really talked a whole lot with you about. There was that one episode where you jumped on with Crocker and I, but some of the things Kyle Shanahan said, he's he's he can move, but he's natural in the pocket. Um, he's decisive on when to throw or run. Like, he makes up his mind pretty quick either way. Uh, he's got it. His throwing motion is 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 normal. Is he's, Kyle Shanahan kind of said he expects it to speed up as he becomes more comfortable with what he's doing. Um and, and really, moving forward, he's just focused on, you know, they were able to give him di- some direction on what to work on over the next 40 days. But anyways, what I was going to ask was, what's just your general take on Trey Lance, whether what you've seen in these super short training 
uh, or OTA videos or just in general? What do you kind of, as a little brief scouting report, what do you think he kind of brings to the table? Yeah, it's tough to take anything away from an unpadded practice when you're just wearing helmets and there's no pass rush coming at you. So I'm just pretty much going based off what I saw coming out of North Dakota State. Um, but that pocket mobility and movement that he's talking about is, just, and just as far as getting through your progressions, Trey Lance is very, very good at that. Just like the aesthetics of playing quarterback, he is very good at that. Before the accuracy, that's the biggest issue. But just as far as knowing where to go with a football, I would say he is head and shoulders above, you know, like a Zach Wilson, who he was, um, who he went ahead of him, obviously, or even under pressure. And I think that's a big part where he's a young quarterback. And he's not going to panic in the pocket when there are bodies around him. I actually ranked Lance ahead of Fields, Wilson, and Mac Jones in that category. So there's a lot to like about him just as a player. I thought he had the strongest arm. I thought he was the best under the pressure. And I also thought he was the best like improv and just rushing quarterback that there was. So those are three categories that you need to win in the NFL. And um, just going back to those five weeks that they didn't have, think about that. That's multiple hours a day, just of meetings and Lance having an opportunity to digest a playbook uh, just to get mental reps and heck, go out on the field and throw two receivers. Not having that is a big deal, especially getting prepared to start the season. I'm not saying that he will be Jim Garoppolo out, but losing those five weeks could go a long way. Right. Yeah. I mean, five weeks, like you, like you said, five weeks of, of everyday NFL training. It, it, I mean, it, that's mind blowing, you know, to think of losing that and, and to think of how big of an impact it, it could have. And, it's just the way it is. It really tells you how I mean how big of a disadvantage last year's like rookie class was. And for someone like I guess you could say Brandon Ayuk to be as good as he was, also as a guy who was relatively raw to the receiver position, and then to go out there and be as good as he was, like that should give you a little bit of optimism for him. Like he's only gonna the, the jump he takes in year two might be just massive. But Seriously. anyway. Um, but um, just getting back to the quarterbacks real quick. So I ranked them before the draft was the four quarterbacks, um, Fields, Lance, Jones, and Wilson. And I ranked them from accuracy, and then I had pocket mobility and movement, as I said, improv, arm strength, and I forgot what the other one, or just under pressure. And I added all those categories up, and Fields came out number one with 17 points, Lance number two, 16, and then Wilson and Jones uh came out with nine points out of the four. So I am pretty high on Lance, and that wasn't going to change. And also, with that said, I liked Fields more, and I'm not going to change my tune just because he didn't go to the 49ers, which happens, um, and I'm not going to prop Lance up in that regard. But uh, I think he's very, very good. I think he would be okay if he did have to start week one, and I'm pretty fascinated to see how Shannon uses him because the way some people are saying make a package for him He's not that kind of player at all. Like he's a legit quarterback who wants to win in the pocket with his arm. Uh, you can tell by the way he goes through his progressions and scans the field. Like he looks very comfortable doing that, and that's why he probably has a chance, a shot to get on the field sooner than later. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the the big and that kind of blended into what Tim Kyle called me asked next is, you know, Kyle Shanahan said that look, we with this these OTAs at least we got the benefit of getting Trey Lance in the building teaching him the playbook and showing him what he should work on going forward, basically giving him homework for, you know, this 40 days for him to go home 
and know exactly what to stu- study, know exactly what to work on. And it wasn't like, you know, the stuff leading up to the draft where it's just like combine prep, pro day prep, and, you know, all this stuff that doesn't really apply to succeeding with the team once you're there. You know, they were able to give him everything he needed for that break. And then, and then you know, to give him a chance to come back in training camp and genuinely compete. And that's what, what TK blended into next was, is it a competition? And Kyle Shanahan had a great answer for that. He said, yeah. you know, I, I think that Jimmy's the starter. Like, he's our guy, and that, that makes perfect sense. But I am totally open to the competition. And here's what I want to hit you with. And, and it really kind of like took me back a little bit. Did you hear what Jim uh, Matt Nagy said recently about Justin Fields? Yeah. So he said that there's no situation scenario where Justin Fields starts week one. So just eliminating that. I don't know how much of that is the week one opponent being the Rams and you don't want to throw a rookie out there or just that Andy Dalton is my guy, which is a phrase you should not be saying in 2021. <laughs> to me, it's just like, why the f- – for, for lack of a better way of saying this, why the fuck would you ever tell that to a football <laughs> player? <laughs> well, like, what, like, there's no matter how hard you try and no matter how good you are, I don't care if you throw 50 touchdowns this offseason and not a single interception, Andy Dalton's our guy. Like, to me, that is just the complete opposite of, like, really a lot of what football's about. Like, competition, right? Genuine competition from a quarterback that could very well be right out the gate forgive me for saying this better than Andy Dalton. I'm like, why would you ever tell him that there's no scenario where he could win that job? And, and that's why I go back to Kyle Shanahan because he said he's, he's definitely open to a competition. He basically said, Jimmy Garoppolo is our starter, but if it's a competition, it's a competition. Like it is what it is. He said that there was definitely a, a reality where he could see Trey Lance at some point during the off season, you know, becoming the guy that, seems like he gives the 49ers the best chance to win. And I like that a lot better than Jimmy Garoppolo's our guy no matter what. And at no point will Trey Lance be starting week one. Yeah, because there's no reason to say that. So we are going to know. Like, If you are at training camp, there's going to be multiple practices. We are going to be able to watch every single one of them. George Kittle is going to know very quickly whether Trey Lance needs to be throwing him the ball instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. Same with Ayuk, same with Debo, same with the offensive line, same with Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel. That's why it makes zero sense to say Jimmy is our starter and that's the way it's going to be for the first month or however many games. Because no, what if Trey Lance goes out there and just balls out of control? Or what if he doesn't and then you have to you know, just ride with Jimmy? There's so many different ways that this can turn out. But to just rule out Trey Lance right away wouldn't be smart. So, yeah, I loved his answer. I loved creating competition. Hey, Trey, if you want to start, you have an opportunity, but you have to prove it. And he mentioned that, you know, it's going to be tough for Trey to come in and do that. But he didn't close the door. And I think that's good coaching. Yeah, right. Exactly. And and nothing he said in regards to Jimmy Garoppolo's status really came off as off-putting either. Like, he, he, you know, he said, like, Jimmy Garoppolo is not a scrub. Like, he's a good NFL quarterback. It, obviously, is he great? Is he elite? No, but he's shown it's really his inconsistency and, and obviously the injuries that have pushed him down the, the rankings. Because uh, at one point, there were plenty of people willing to consider Jim Garoppolo like a, at the very least, a top 15 quarterback, maybe pushing up near the top 10. But, you know, injuries coupled with this, the crazy inconsistent swings are kind of what keep that from happening. But the, the point being is like, Trey Lance for Trey Lance to step in and just beat Jimmy Garoppolo out would be a very very big accomplishment. Like 
that would be no joke because Jimmy's not a slouch. He's good. And especially given how much time he's had in the system and the kind of the, we, and we, you and I have talked about this, the X factor of what does Trey Lance being in the building do to Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Kyle Shanahan kind of talked about that. Now this could very well, the 49ers know that at some point they're going to have to trade Jimmy Garoppolo or, or cut him, whatever. Obviously every chance they get to praise Jimmy Garoppolo, at least during this time when you can keep praise on somebody with zero blowback, <laughs> um, they're going to do it all they can. And he and Kyle Shanahan seemed very excited about Jimmy Garoppolo. And we, we laughed about this last pod and, you know, the OTA praise, like the best spring ever <laughs> and, and shit like that. But, you know, there is, there is a chance that, that Jimmy Garoppolo just comes out and just looks a little bit different or a little bit better than what we've seen in the past, just because, uh, you know, the new wolf is, is, is in the pack and he's got to, got to keep that spot as long as he can. So, um, I don't know. Kyle Shanahan talked up, talked up Jimmy G. I mean, what do you like? What is your what do you expect? Because you're going to be at a good portion of training camp. What do you expect from Jimmy G? I mean, you could you could say training camp, but he kind of is usually pretty uneventful in a training camp. So, yeah, uneventful. Uh, what do you think, man? What's your take on that? Saying Jimmy's practices during training camp have been uneventful would be putting it in a um, positive light, right? Um, than what's actually happened. But I think that we are going to see a different version of Jimmy just because so Kyle has he has to be planting these seeds in Jimmy's head. So when Tim asked Kyle, you know, hey, there is it's pretty evident that you guys haven't been pushing the ball down the field. And Kyle's like, no, Jimmy can make all the throw. Like he was quick to uh, just rebuttal anything, you know, any right. kind of questions like that. No, he can throw the ball down the field. We just have to have an opportunity and blah, blah, blah. So uh, I imagine we are going to see maybe not an uber aggressive Jimmy, but somebody who wants to open it up a little. Um, I'm kind of interested to see if we see any more, um, just more Jimmy rolling out. And then timing is going to be a big thing as well, because if he is just playing on time in the offense and Trey Lance is struggling or just hesitating, as you would expect from a rookie, especially one that didn't play in 2020, that's probably going to make Jimmy look a bit better than Lance, at least early on. But man, if those interceptions, so everybody's talking about two interceptions the other day at practice, he had five interceptions. <laughs> if, um, if Jimmy's turning the ball over, because that's been a thing in these practices and that's been consistent, then he's going to have to answer some questions because I don't, what I'm, I guess when you ask, what do you expect? I want to see what happens if both quarterbacks play well, if both quarterbacks play poorly, if one is hot, the other's cold, how that switches day to day. I just want to see the variance in both quarterbacks and how they adjust to one another. Like, are they going to push each other? Are both players going to step up or both players going to be middling? Cause again, there's so many different variables, uh, how the reps matter too. Is Trey Lance going to start out getting 20% of the first team snaps uh, week one? Does that go up to 40% by week two? How does that progress? Like, that's what I'm really looking forward to. And it's, it'll be fun to talk about the interceptions and the, the completion percentages. But uh, I just want to see the progress, the reps, and, you know, how, what the players are saying about him, too. So, if, like, Kittle's not going to pull any punches. If, if Lance is awesome, he's going to tell us that. If And at the same time, I imagine they're going to be like, hey, if he needs more time, Jimmy's going to be our guy. I think they're going to spin it in that sense. So, it can come off as a win-win for the 49ers, but I think we're going to have to, you know, parse the words and read, read through what they're saying. 
Yeah, it'll be uh, even going into pre- preseason. One of the things I used to, I, I said with Crocker, and he kind of said the same thing is, it'll just be an eye. An, it's an eye test. Like just mm-hmm. you, when you watch them play, you know, it'll be obvious who gives the 49ers the best chance to win. Like now, some of that, you know, what you do in, in training camp and what you do in preseason doesn't necessarily equate to what you're going to do in the regular season. Obviously, I mean, there's some huge, huge discrepancies there. But, you know, at least from an off-season's perspective, I assume it's going to be pretty clear who the man is. But if it's not, then I guess that would be indicative of a competition because if, if you can't watch them play and know which one really kind of gives you the better chance, then it, it must be sort of close. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting. So I'm um, in the belief that not just quarterbacks, it can be a defensive lineman, it can be a cornerback, it can be a wide receiver. You can watch – 20 30 plays reps of a player and you can tell if he's going to be the real deal or not um and that sounds like you know hyperbole it sounds like you're just not giving a guy a chance but you can tell if a guy is a player very early on and i feel like that'll be the case with lance once there's a live rush coming at him like if he's ready to go i think we're going to be able to tell pretty quickly we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, yeah, I agree too. Do you think part of Lance's calmness in the pocket maybe in relation to Jimmy Garoppolo just has to do with his sheer size? Like... Obviously, somebody who's six one and two hundred and ten pounds 
is going to be a little less comfortable in the pocket than somebody who's six four and two hundred and forty pounds or thirty pounds or whatever. You know, I wonder if if any of that. Obviously, there's a poise, there's a willingness to, yeah. you know, a little bit of craziness factor. Like you're not worried about what could happen to you, but I mean, f- Trey Lance is going to be a lot harder to bring down than Jimmy Garoppolo. A hundred percent. So I think way harder. I think there's one. So Lance almost comes off as oblivious to pressure, which is a compliment, by the way. And Jimmy gets a little jittery back there. And that was that's been the case, you know, for the most part, since he's been under center any year he's been in the NFL. He has more of a tendency to not so much drop his eyes, but I I would say have happy feet and want to move around a little bit, which was cool in 2017 because he could move around. Obviously, that wasn't the case in um, 18 or he didn't have to do much of that in 19, but in 20, he didn't have you know a healthy ankle, so he couldn't do that. But I I do think it's more to do with just their playing styles over throughout their career. Um, but it is an interesting thing to bring up because size does matter at the quarterback position. Look no further. If you watch any NFC West, look no further than Arizona and Seattle, and you cannot tell me that you know having a quarterback over six feet two doesn't matter. Yeah, and I, obviously when I when I ask that question, I'm not saying that that's the only thing that goes into the sure. pocket presence, but that's got to be a big factor. You know, like most edge rushers are right around the same size as Trey Lance. You know, some a little it's bigger, not. some smaller. So it's like you're like, hey man, like like this guy's like the same size as me, and he's not like a a, a lanky quarterback build either. He's a big dude and he has huge legs. Like he's a big guy. So What's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, what's going to happen in preseason is he's going to shrug off like some a blitzer or he's going to run over like a four-string linebacker. <laughs> right. People are going to lose their minds. Right. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. It's going to happen. And I, I'm, I'm here for it, man. I'm yes. going to record <laughs> yes. it. And I'm going to tweet about it. And I'm going <laughs> to say something ridiculous. And, and that's going to be that. Now, the where they went next was kind of like the biggest – aspect of Trey Lance kind of like what Kyle Shanahan felt was because like you mentioned um, TK mentioned downfield throwing and Kyle Shanahan kind of quickly brushed that off when it came to Jenny G but he felt like obviously Trey Lance's biggest additional threat was his athleticism and his running ability and going from that 11 on 10 to 11 on on 11 football which Obviously, if you're if you're a little confused by that, we're just talking about the fact that normally no one has to cover the quarterback. Like right. you just kind of you, he's there. You want to rush him. Nobody has to account for him other than the fact that he's gonna throw the ball or hand it off. Bull and Trey Lance's fact, and and everybody listening to this knows that you've seen your fair share of running quarterbacks. There's there's an an extra responsibility there, and Kyle Shanahan was quick to point out like it's not necessarily which quarterback has it? Well, I'm trying to like, remember the way he said this, but he's like, which quarterback it's not that it's not the, the, what defense is, it's not how defenses are going to react. It's what is your quarterback going to do to the defense and what looks does he force them into, you know, like he said, you know, if Jimmy G's back, he didn't say this, but what he really was kind of say is if Jimmy G's back there, maybe they've got two safeties you know, two high safeties. But if Trey Lance is back there, maybe they have to lose one safety because the strong safety or whoever um, is playing much closer to the line of scrimmage to account for whatever Trey Lance might do with the ball. And that completely changes the passing game and what you're throwing at. 
and he he referenced what he he learned so much with his first couple of years with RG three, and obviously we saw what RG three did in Shanahan's offense, just what that did to defenses and the threat it it posed. Even if now he was real quick to say like, look, a running quarterback does not make up for anything. You have to be able to throw the ball and keep defenses honest. But the what the uh, their ability to run the ball does to a defense is like it's unquestionable so i don't what's your take on all that yeah so mobile quarterbacks make a difference mostly in high leverage situations like third and four or less or down on the goal line where if a defense doesn't account for that quarterback take off first down and it doesn't have to be like an explosive play also you can't just sit back and play man coverage against these guys because if you do that you're giving up a first down because who is going to spy somebody 225, 30 pounds that runs a 4-5 electronic, not hand time? Also, also, um, you're not going to probably sit with a guy. Tell him, KP. A single high safety in this scenario where you have Lance. So, yeah, there's just so many different ways you can – the quarterback will, you know – manipulate the defense or you can dictate what the defense does by having a guy who can run it's it's so good for your offense i see it at every level and it'll be fun to see kyle shanahan with a guy like this because he alluded to that when he talked about rg3 and it didn't seem like he was the biggest fan but i think that's going to be different under lance yeah it was and i and one of the biggest problems with rg3 was is just kind of his ability inability to play smart football and yeah. Like, and it's, it's tough to fault a guy for just having the heart he did. Like he would rather gain a yard than, and get hit than go out of bounds. But at the same time that obviously, uh, you know, built up on him really quick. So it's just, it, it was cool to listen to him. I can listen to Kyle Shanahan talk football for like ever. Like yes. if, if there was just some running loop of Kyle Shanahan talking about football, I'd probably go to sleep to it. Like it would replace my money ball, go to sleep stuff. So (laughs) it's just, he's just so damn smart. And he like we, and I think we just said this, his ability to just communicate what he's thinking is just so good. Like there's no gray area with any of his answers. Like he lets you know. Right. And as a player, like knowing what your expectations are, it's probably, it probably also is what drove Dante Pettis away was he just is going to let you know exactly what he thinks and exactly what you need to do. And for some people, they just need the sugar. They need the, they need the coating. And uh, it, it, he doesn't seem like a coating guy. <laughs> so um, it was just cool to, to kind of listen to him talk about that. And also it just makes me excited to see him implement it. You know, like the amount of experience he has now running an offense is pretty unreal. And, you know, him – for the first time in how long since RG3 getting a quarterback that can really light it up on every level. Yeah. It he, should seemed, be fun. he seemed giddy about the opportunity that he will have a quarterback where defenses have to respect. So instantly when he was talking about that, he was talking about the shotgun and the pistol and how, you know, defenses have to play 11 on 11 instead of 11 on 10. I was thinking Mostert and Sermon, like they're going to have plays I would I would add five to 10, 20 yard runs for those running backs this year, just because Lance is going to carry out a fake and he's going to hold that edge rusher. And there's going to be a, a lane for the running backs to run right underneath them. And I mean, they're quick enough to hit that hole and turn it into a big play. So there again, there are just so many ways that Lance can help the team where Jimmy G's and 
as Kyle said, it's not like a discredit to him or Nate Sudfield or anybody else on the roster. It's just that he's an athlete. And when you have an athlete at the position who's going to have the ball on every play, you can dictate and manipulate the defense. And I I can only imagine the different types of plays, trick plays that he's going to uncover. So I, I just hope it's not one of those wildcat type packages where they're going to get him beat up and take unnecessary licks. I, I don't think Kyle Shannon's going to do that because he is a smart guy, but that's been floated out so much where uh, I just hope not. No, man, it's it, – yeah, it ain't like that. I, I don't think it'll be like that at all. And, and Kyle Shanahan just seems like he would be like, well, if I'm putting Trey Lance out there because he, he like, adds a new dynamic to my offense – and why isn't Trey Lance just staying out there? You know, like it's to me, it's like, I mean, I see the benefit. I get it. But at the same time, it's like if you're doing that, it might be time to just do the whole damn thing. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't I don't have that mental. But he did. It's funny that you mentioned the running backs, too, is because he did talk about how they played, uh, you know, a little bit of zone read, read option, whatever you want to call it, against uh, Arizona with C.J. Beathard, because C.J. Beathard's actually like pretty damn fast. And he said that, you know, CJ had like two 15-yard runs for first downs. One of them should have been a lot longer, but Buda Baker made a crazy tackle. Yeah. And and then he said that uh, then the third time they handed it off, and it was like a 25-yard run. And it was all just based off the fact that they were doing, uh, you know, they were that they had that threat at quarterback, you know. So it's, it's going to be even more so with Trey Lance. Now, the next thing they went on, and obviously this is the fun one to laugh at, is uh, – the Kyle Shanahan quarterback that apparently everybody thought they knew. Big Mac guy. Right, right, right. And it was just – it was funny how Kyle, like, broke it down. He's like, everybody thought that because we had a chance to get the number one free agent quarterback in 2000, you know, or or, or, or because – I knew that we had a chance to get the number one free agent quarterback in, in 2018 or whatever it was, that that was my ideal quarterback. And that was the only type of quarterback I could want being Kirk cousins, you know, and and when he put it like that, it was like, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. He was saying that Kirk cousins, whether he had experience with him or not, was the absolute best quarterback that was going to hit free agency that year. Of course he wanted him and the experience being a bonus but he he just laughed at the idea that that he that for some reason was the only quarterback that he could possibly interest be interested in and he was perfectly fine letting the Matt Jones rumors roll he didn't have a problem with it one because they weren't true so they were helping them out right. and two because he thought Matt Jones was a good quarterback and that he actually said that was part of the reason he seemed so frustrated on that during that press conference the week of the draft was because everybody was shitting on Mac Jones so intensely because of how stupid they, including me, by the way, um, so intensely because of how dumb everybody thought that he was going to take him at three. And he felt bad. He said he felt bad. And maybe that's the reason for Mac Jones's little high school principal walk when he got drafted. But <laughs> he just said he felt bad that everybody was shitting on Mac Jones, even though, you know, for the sole reason they felt like he was a, uh, he was a high pick, but I mean, it was funny. He basically just said, he kind of summed it up like, look, like we didn't want anybody to know. Like we did not want to do any teams, any favors, allow them to, to game plan around the pick they knew we were making. 
everybody thinking that they were taking somebody else helped them and hurt everybody else. So it was, it was perfectly fine with him. And so I don't know, man, what's your, uh, what was your take? I know you've read the quotes and you've, you've, you know, what's going on in that regard, but what was your take on the whole Mac Jones <laughs> thing? Yeah, yeah. So he made it sound like he wanted to keep that, you know, illusion going that they were going to take Jones because he wanted the NFL teams and GMs to know that they're interested. But just as far as, you know, everybody shitting on Mac Jones, uh, there were a lot of national and even Bay Area reporters that were digging their heels in that saying that it's it's Jones, it's Jones, it's going to be Mac. Prepare yourselves. I think right. that is why there was such an outbreak. And obviously, Mac Jones going number three was the big issue. Not so much the 49ers drafting Mac Jones, because if they were to say put it 12, I think people would have been like, don't want it, but we'll take it. Moving up with the giving up the draft capital that they did, that's, I think, what was you know really throwing fans for a loop. Not so much Mac Jones himself, just everything that went into that. So, right. uh, yeah, there was a lot going in there. But as far as – I mean, shoot, <laughs> the person who Shanahan's podcast was on said, if you don't think that Mac Jones is going to be a 49er, uh, you're believing like some QAnon. It's like just crazy stuff. I was uh. like, what? Really? Um, so the, I didn't, I mean, his words on Mac Jones, I could see why you would feel bad for the kid, but he did, again, he didn't do anything to slow those rumors down. Uh, he could have really slowed them down by saying, eh, well, we like our guy. We have our guy. But again, there was no reason for them to deter any of the, any of that for, you know, to keep them, to keep themselves safe. So, uh, th- there was a lot about Mac Jones. I, I really didn't read too much into it just because we've talked about it so much that um, it had to come up. So I get it. But, man, I just – I'm ready to stop talking about uh, the Patriots quarterback, I guess is the best it's, way to put it. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Because, it's really not. Because, you know, the, the the narrative going forward will be, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and then, you know, the – the neglected ones that were Mac Jones and Justin Fields, which I can buy that for Justin Fields because he is a very talented quarterback. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna listen to that for Mac Jones. Like he so, was drafted where he should have been drafted, the highest he should have been drafted. Like perfect spot for him, but it's he didn't get like passed over. <laughs> so Cam goes down early in the season. Mac Jones starts. Mac Jones comes in and wins and wins and wins what is going to be the reaction to that because as much as people you know are poo-pooing on him uh if he turns out to be good there is going to have to be a lot of explaining to do so like when you mentioned it's not over all these five quarterbacks are going to be lumped together for probably their entire career yeah i mean i don't know what the reaction to i feel like I don't know. I feel like everybody talking about how good Mac Jones is, even if he ends up being the best one of the group, uh, it's still to should be kind of obvious to everybody where everybody thought he should go at the time. And what's funny about saying that is that's what Kyle Shanahan said when TK brought up Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And he, he said, he said, look, if all the teams that passed on them, if they had a time machine, of course we would do it all over again. But he just kind of said like, when I took it was 2017, they had the second overall pick. What ended up being the third, the team was like one of the absolute worst defenses, one of the absolute worst offenses. 
in, in, a, in a long time for the 49ers. And there was just a laundry list of things that that team had to take care of. Quarterback just being one of many of them. And and he kind of made it, made a point of saying, like, like, would that have been the best team to bring a rookie quarterback onto? Probably not. Like, and he just kind of talked about the fact that the team, like the team was in shambles. They had so much to do. They knew they wanted to kind of build out from the defensive line. And the other thing was, is that at the time, and, and he is correct when he says this is most teams, I'm assuming he means NFL, you know, NFL teams, most draft analysts, most people did not have, did not consider Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson to be a, a number two or a number three pick. Yeah, that was not popular, by the way. I remember studying and watching the players in that draft. Mahomes was very polarizing. Like It's it's hindsight to say, oh, you should have taken him in the top ten because not a lot of teams – obviously, you know, a team traded up to draft him, but I just saw so many analysts. Some had him as like a day three quarterback because he was a little wild child at Texas Tech. Like He played this gunslinger backyard football. Uh, It it was obviously because – and Mahomes – came out and said this and when he said that that's when I was kind of sold but uh, he came out and said that the reason I was playing so reckless is because we were down all the time and I knew that if I didn't we weren't going to have a chance to win and that was hard for a lot of people to separate but uh, he did make some you know some boneheaded plays where if you didn't know any better you would think what the hell is this guy doing like why is he doing that yeah it would it was definitely at the time if if they would have taken Deshaun Watson second overall or uh, you know, the person who was, and I'm, I'm trying, as I stumble my way through this sentence, I'm trying to remember his name. The quarterback that went second overall. Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Mitch Trubisky. Um, he, he was the one that everybody expected to go that high. And so, you know, if the 49ers would have taken him, that would have been a surprise. But would have freaked people out? Probably not. If they would have taken Patrick Mahomes at third overall, people would have been like, what the? Yeah, exactly. Like, the the reaction would have been insane, and even Deshaun Watson, like uh, obviously all the we know what these guys are now, but that's just not. And you couple that in with the fact that the team was just in such shitty shape at the time. It just, of course, Mahomes and Watson worked out well. But to me, anytime anyone has ever said, "Oh well, they passed on Mahomes and Watson," and I never, I never have thought of that as an insult. I'm like, yeah, but that surprised no one at the time. Like the the real all. pushback should have been where did you come up with Solomon Thomas being a top right. five pick because I don't think that was universally thought of either. Like I know I him. didn't think so. I know he, he being I, mocked had, in like the middle to late first round. Right. Yeah, we had Matt Miller on the pod and and he before that draft and he was pretty convinced the 49ers were going to go Solomon Thomas and me and Biederman were like what the hell man like he really liked Malik Hooker I liked Malik Hooker uh, I wanted them to take Jamal Adams actually okay I thought they were going to take Jamal Adams but my what would I do pick I don't know if I've told you this was um, Christian McCaffrey oh so that was pretty popular I do remember that I remember a lot of people wanting Christian McCaffrey. Uh, that would have oh, which would have been pretty fucking cool yeah. but <laughs> i mean Stanford? right yeah so that that was who i wanted them to take it just because i was like dude you're talking about just the absolute pr- probably the absolute like ideal running back for kyle shanahan like can do everything he wants you to do um so yeah i, I was a big chris mccaffrey guy but anyways all the hindsight stuff 
it just never really hold much water to me. And that's kind of how Kyle Shanahan addressed it was it just, it was not really in the best for the team at the time. It just wasn't, it wasn't in the cards. That wasn't how it was playing out. It wasn't necessarily because he knew he might have a shot at Kirk Cousins. It was just like the team had a hundred different things to address. Quarterback was just one of them, but you also don't want to bring a brand new quarterback into just the shittiest situation because that's what happens to all these rookie quarterbacks. And they just fail time and time and time and time again when they might not have if they just had a halfway decent situation to, to fall into. Look at Trubisky. Right. The 49ers would have been giving him a, a worse. And the Bears are probably in better. The 2017 Bears are probably in better shape than the 2017 49ers from like a roster perspective. Do you, do you remember how bad that roster was? Because Lynch and Shanahan have made up this roster, or basically turned this roster all the way over. But the the talent that was on the roster then compared to today is just night and day. Jeremy Curley was like their wide receiver one at yes. the time. So it was it was something else, man. And it, so, I, again, Kyle Shanahan, very honest about it all, very upfront about it all. He, and in the way you said it made sense in the fact – and it should make sense if, if you put took yourself back to when that was. Uh, there may have been some people that were high on Mahomes and high on Watson – but it really wasn't like the consensus that we're used to seeing with most of these draft prospects and stuff. Like, kind of like, you know, what you saw with Mac Jones. Like, everybody was convinced that's who the 49ers were taking. But the overall consensus from everybody else was, no, no, no. Like, don't do that. So, it it's wasn't like that. Side. Right. So, um, I, I, I loved Mahomes coming out. Like, I had him QB1. There was no way in hell that I thought he was going to be this good. So even with me having him high, and I like Deshaun too, I'd never in a million years would I thought they would have been like superstars, top five quarterbacks. So yeah, it's easy. It's so easy to say now. Right. Uh, the last couple things he touched on, just kind of rolling through it, um, was Aaron Rodgers and the fact that it was just dumb not to look into it. Like, did it ever progress anywhere? No. They call. He called. John Lynch never called anybody. Before John Lynch was going to call Brian Gutenkust, however you say his last name, uh, they just call him Goody or Gutty. Uh, before they did that, Kyle called uh, Matt LaFleur. And Matt LaFleur was just like, there's no way in hell we're trading him, <laughs> one. And two, if we did trade him, there's no way in hell it's to you guys. That's literally what they said. So they were like, basically, they were just like, all right, thanks. <laughs> shoot or shoot, Kyle. That's what that was. So there were so many, uh, not not so much articles, but just uh, tweets and comments saying that the 49ers are going to be tied to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers wants to come back home. Aaron Rodgers said he wants to play for the 49ers. What we never really stopped to talk about was why in the world would the Packers do that? You could send them 10 first-round draft picks, and they'd still be hesitant because – it seems like these two teams play all the time anyway, and you'd have to see them in the playoffs. No chance would I send him anywhere near the NFC. But NFC West or a team that I'm going to play a lot, never. Because he would right. – think about it. Rodgers would hold that against them, and Shanahan and Rodgers against the Packers every year, they'd score like 60 just because. The 49ers would run for 350-plus yards and throw for 350-plus yards. It would be it would be what we saw in the NFC Championship game magnified by a lot. It, yes. it, would, be, it would be brutal. So 
yeah, so that was short-lived. And then he kind of also mentioned the Julio trade. He didn't actually talk about Julio, but he was very specific when he was saying, like, look, we, we want to improve our team, but we can't jeopardize the team. Like, you know, could we have traded for Julio and him helped us this year? Yes. But he kind of mentioned the fact that we have a lot of guys on one-year contracts that we're going to have to try and keep around. And there's going to be a lot of them that we're not going to be able to keep around. And we can't go into next year's draft with, with – a third and a fifth and a sixth. Like he just kind of said, like, you know, we're in this position where there's going to be areas where we can improve, but we also can't do that in a way that jeopardizes what we're doing. And he was, he was kind of alluding to what Julio was traded for in a second and a fourth and just saying like, like it's That's great draft. Right. But if you're having to rely on the draft to replace free agents, which you never really want to do, but it always happens anyways. Right. Um, it just it just wasn't something they could really consider. It just put them in too bad of a spot. So it wasn't really something they talked about a lot. Kyle just made a joke. He's like, me and John don't plan on retiring anytime soon. We have to like, everything we do has to be, you know, now versus future. You know, always, you know, like, a you know, what are those little scales where you take something off of here and you put it over here and you want to try and probably keep that about as even as you can with what with what's going on. So. Um, that was pretty much it. You know, like the last thing that he kind of ended on was running the ball. And the fact that uh, Tim TK basically said, Kyle, you want to run the ball this season, right? Like everybody knows that that's what you're going to do. You're going to run the ball. And he basically was like, dude, yes. I mean, I want to win. He's like, I want to win first of all. And he said to him, it feels like running the ball is the easiest way effectively running the ball effectively is the easiest way to dictate the game and dictate everything about what your offense has to do and what the defense has to do. And, and I think that that you, when you really think about it, it's like throwing the ball constantly doesn't necessarily change anything about what the defense has to do. They know that they have to defend the pass and that's it. Not that it could be easy. I mean, the, the chiefs will still throw all over your ass, but when you're defending the pass, you have to defend the pass and that's it. But when you're defending the run, you have to defend the run knowing that the pass can come at any point. So it being able to run the ball effectively puts a defense in an entirely different bind. You got any, uh, any, any expert takes on, on Kyle Shanahan's wanting to run the ball? Well, I remember him saying, I don't remember when it was, I think it was in 2019. He was talking about how he uses use check uh, because he can dictate what defense do. So if, a fullback is on the field. He knows he's probably going to get somebody in their base defense. And that's why he hits so many play action passes on early downs because they have their slow guys on the field. And when you do that, you can also run screens and, you know, get to the outside because they have their slower guys on the field. And then just running the ball in general, that wears on you. And I think he talked about that with Debo Samuel a little bit, where if you just keep punching and punching and punching them in the mouth, eventually, you know, they're going to take a step back. So just the aggression and what it does to your football team, it makes a lot of sense just why he has that mindset. Um, I don't think that's what he wants to do, though. If you watch what the Falcons did in 2016, they were chucking the ball all over the place. I really think he wants to open it up. And I think what I don't know if we you know we'll see that version of Lance this year, but once Lance gets you know his feet underneath him, I think we're going to see a more open 49ers offense. Yeah, it would be nice. I mean, it, it helps though when you've got a Matt Ryan and a and a Julio Jones to do open sure, things, right? <laughs> right. But I mean, but also that's I mean that was the same year where where Tevin Coleman and 
Devontae Freeman. I don't know if they both ran for more than – they both accounted for more than 1,000 all-purpose yards, both, you know, over 2,000 all-purpose yards together. So they were doing all kinds of shit. That was just – and that's why they were, it was one of the best offenses of all time. That's know? what I'm That's what I'm interested in. I'm interested to see how Mitchell and Sermon, the two rookie running backs, are used in the passing game because when they brought over Tevin Coleman – when he was with the Falcons, he was running like downfield routes. They were throwing him the ball outside of the numbers. We did not see that when he was a 49er. We saw that for maybe 10 plays in week two against the Jets when everybody got hurt. But that was the only time we ever saw Coleman used as like a running back target out of the backfield. So I think that's where another advantage when you have a mobile quarterback, you have a single high safety, and now you can use your running backs and get them one-on-one in space. And that's how Devonta Freeman got so many yards. But yeah, I think that's going to be another big advantage with having Lance on the field too. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to seeing Trey Sermon. He's a he just he's a very interesting running back to me. He's one a- that I, I Trey Sermon is going to be one of those better pro than he was in college running backs. Not he that was- he was bad by any means in college. That's not what I'm saying. I just think he's going to get more to show more of what he he does. He was a star at Oklahoma. Like he was very, very, very good. But they were always splitting time, and he was banged up. So if he would have been like a, the bell cow for them, because he played with Baker, he played with Kyler. Um, if he would have been the bell cow for that team, for those teams, I think people would have a much different perception on, of him. Also, if that would have been the case, you know, if they weren't splitting carries at Ohio State and the whole COVID situation didn't happen. But, yeah, for the 49ers to get a talent like Sermon, and, yes, he does have injury history, so you're, they're going to have to be wary of that. But there's no reason that type of talent should fall to the end of the first, uh, third round. Right. Yeah. It's It'll be cool. It'll be cool to see it all play out. I mean, but hey, that was pretty much the gist of it. Little things here and there. Kyle Shanahan and some, some Netflix show recommendations. Marco Polo, The Last yeah. Kingdom. Uh, TK throughout Warrior. Um, Kyle Shanahan said he was listening to an audio book uh, about a Native American. And it, back in the, the Native American... Uh, Cowboys and Indians days, essentially. Um, Empire of the Summer Moon. That was Kyle Shanahan's uh, book recommendation. So just in case anybody out there is somebody that likes reading or likes listening to audiobooks, um, check it out. That was Kyle Shanahan's recommendation, Empire of the Summer Moon. And I think that's pretty much it, man. I'm kind of kind of scrolling back through my notes, making sure I didn't miss anything. But you have any any last-minute takes on anything we uh, we rolled through? No, I think that's good. As you said, man, I could listen to Shanahan just talk ball forever just because just genuine guy, open, does not, you know, pull any punches. And that's how a football conversation should be. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully you guys didn't get the squeaky noise from KP. There's a part of me that feels like I might be able to hear it right now, but I'm not sure. (laughs) So if (laughs) if you did... Then we're sorry. We're working on it. I promise. I promise. We're gonna work on it. Um, it just may involve some 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 switching, some some moving, some jiving. So we'll figure it out. But just know that if it, if it did pop up again, we're working on it. We're not just gonna let it be like a, a weekly thing. <laughs> it would be funny though. Drive people insane. But this it is our this is our off season, and this is where we get better, baby. Right. And that yeah, means we... the computer. <laughs> so all right, guys. Well, hey. Quickly made 50 minutes out of uh, out of a Kyle Shanahan press conference. Uh, but that's what happens when two guys get together and just talk ball, which is what we're what we're doing here. And I enjoy it. Um, 
glad to have you here, here KP. I'm looking forward to it, man. Always. Um, but that's uh, that's it for us today. I appreciate everybody for listening. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Thank you for all the comments you've been leaving us on Twitter and the heads up about the uh, the audio stuff and the, the positive positivity about you know KP jumping in. It's been great. Thank you for that. Keep supporting us. Keep listening to Striking Gold. Um, follow us on Twitter. You got at KP underscore show. And then you got me at Rob underscore louder. And make sure you're doing all the rating, the subscribing, the downloading, all the stuff you would do on Striking Gold that you've probably already done, but it's all good. Um, you know, all that stuff. That's KP. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And we are signing out.